Welcome to Live with Domery Podcast here at Domery Healthy and Fit, where we bring you incredible episodes every single week. And we are now starting season four. Today's guest, Dr. Terry Walls. She is going to be talking to us about her life living with multiple sclerosis and severe pain due to trigeminal neuralgia. Stay tuned while we listen to this incredible story of overcoming and living a positive life. All right, she should be coming on shortly. Hello, Dr. Walls. How are you? I am excellent. I'm trying to figure out how to get my phone to uh, stay put, so maybe I'm going to have to just keep hanging on to it. Oh boy. Okay. Well, we'll try to get through this. We'll, we'll make it work. We'll make it work. <laughs> yes. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. And thank you. Thank you. We got so much to talk about. You have been so busy and you have so many incredible things going on in your life today that is life changing for all of us, not just yes. multiple sclerosis. Anybody with the autoimmune can go to your site and do your programs and live a healthier life. You know, absolutely. You know, I'm so grateful that I had my life back. Uh, you know, back in 2007, it was so clear that I was headed towards becoming bedridden, demented, uh, having to live with intractable pain due to the trigeminal neuralgia. Uh, and that didn't happen. You know, instead, I have this very rich and full life. I'm changing the world, and so I'm trying to let everyone know that if I can come back from such severe disability, there's absolutely hope for them as well. Exactly, and you were in a wheelchair with not being able to do anything, and now look at you today. Yes, you know, I I, I bike, I hike. Uh, When we used to travel the world, I would uh, uh, go uh, two to three conferences each month to uh, lecture, teach other clinicians, uh, teach the public uh, what I was doing. But of course, I haven't done that now for about uh, a year and a half. Well, that's because you have been super busy between your uh, documentary. Let's talk a little bit about that. Defying all odds. So they can go into your website and purchase the documentary and also um, be able to buy the documentary. Correct? Uh, no, and, uh, uh, it, that, that is actually at Carlene's uh, website, Defying All Odds. And I believe we've shared that link with you so you can put that in the uh, show notes so people yes. can uh, okay. get that. Okay, perfect. I will absolutely do that for you. Um, so let's talk about the trigeminal, um, sorry, my, thank you very well, much for that, that word. That, that began during medical school, little twinges of pain right here or here, and they would radiate down my uh, temple, down to my jaw. Uh, it's like, you know, I'm a farm kid, so it's, it's sort of like when you got the uh, cattle prod uh, that you would stick uh, on a uh, ordinary steer or a pod to get them to move, and they'd squeal and jump away. Well, yeah. when this turns on, it's like a, a this jolt of electricity, 10,000 volts uh, going through your face, just for a moment. Uh, in, in 2007, it was so severe, Don Marie, that at times uh, my knees would buckle. Oh. Uh, the pain would be so severe that it, it would overwhelm 
all my sensory input. So I, I wouldn't be able to see. I'd have a transient moment of blindness. All I'd see would be white. Um, I'd hear a little static in my ears. Uh, I, I would have involuntary grimace mm -hmm. and grunt. Uh, I'd lose tone in my legs. My knees would buckle. Uh, and it's like, um, it was a uh, very difficult, when that would turn on, I'd have to go to the pain clinic and get injections in my scalp. Yeah. Uh, i do that every day. Uh, uh, I was already on maximum dose of gabapentin. I would uh, go to the infusion center and get Salumedrol. Wow. I, and I now needed five days of Salumedrol to get it to turn off. Uh, and so, you know, that was my last go around in 2007 and, and so yeah, I was like okay uh, if the pain it, it, uh, clinic injections aren't turning it off if five days of Medrol takes five every year it would take more and more to get it turned off because your body was becoming immune to it, the drug well uh, you know probably because you know, I have secondary progressive MS. Mm -hmm. The damage and inflammation uh, is it's a progressive disease. Yes. Uh, and I had seen that, because this began during medical school in 1980, that the frequency and severity, you know, were, were progressively worse so that I understood that I was likely on a trajectory to have it be permanently on. Yes, because of the lesions uh, being a completely darkened. Right, I call they, them darkened holes. Yeah, coming no more. Yeah, uh, and once it's turned on, light, sound, a breeze triggers the pain. Talking triggers the pain. Swallowing triggers the pain. So when it turns on, you know, I, I quit swallowing and I started drooling uh, because you know. I, it was so intensely painful to swallow. Yes. It feels like you're being choked as well, like someone is choking yes, you. Yeah. It, yes, yes. It's, uh, it's really... Uh, Very difficult. You know, I, I, I've broken bones. I've had surgery. This is far more painful than surgery. Which, by the way, I've had... Uh, when my daughter was born... Uh, we had to have emergency C-section. The anesthesiologists were all busy because of a big trauma. So my OB said, you know, Terry, um, you're bleeding to death. Your daughter, your your child, assuming enough as a boy or girl yet, uh, uh, you know, is in distress. We have to do the C-section now. I'm going to have to do it under local. Oh, my gosh. And so you're describing that pain to the MS pain is worse. Oh yeah, the trigeminal was is, is much much uh, uh, more devastating pain than than a C-section under local post-op pain from uh, other surgeries um, or broken bones. And being a martial artist, I have had a couple broken bones along the way. And oh. most recently, out biking, I uh, broke yep. uh, broke some bones again. Yes, which you need to be careful because you have yes, a big event coming up this but weekend. I have my helmet on. Yes. Well, that's good news. I'm glad you had your helmet on. Um, so what made you at that point, because when we get to that point, it causes depression, anxiety, stress, fear, and you are already a neurologist and a doctor. So what brought you to the point of doing your own research and studies? 
Well, Don Marie, I want to correct you. I'm not a neurologist. I'm Sorry. I'm a primary care doc. Uh, and, you know, when I was first diagnosed, uh, like many physicians, I was going to PubMed. I was reading the science and just getting more and more upset because I uh, saw that MS is a progressive disease. My wife said, no, Terry, this is just getting you upset. You're not sleeping. Stop reading. We'll find you the best physicians in the country and let them take care of you. So I did that. And, you know, I, I took the newest drugs. Three years later, I am in a tilt reclined wheelchair. And I still had very young kids. And it's like, okay, I, I have to do all that I can. So I went back, and now I knew, like, okay, I know how bad this is going to be. Bad. Really bad. I'm in the wheelchair. I'm uh, struggling with fatigue. Um, so I go back to reading the basic science. And at first I'm looking for drugs. Yeah. And then I realized, you know, I should look for things that I can control. So I uh, start reading uh, for supplements and nutraceuticals. Okay. And add supplements. And, and I began experimenting myself, you know, translating these mouse doses, these rat doses, into human-sized doses. And uh, what I see is the speed of my decline slows, and I am really, really very grateful. But so, I, I am still declining. Yes. And I want to point out to everyone that all of my neurologists I'd seen uh, at the Cleveland Clinic, at the Marshall Clinic, uh, at the University of Iowa, had all said that with secondary progressive MS, functions less lost will not return. And so I, I had accepted that all I could hope to do would be to slow my decline. Yes, and you have. You've slowed your decline dramatically. Dramatically, yeah. Dramatically, yes. You know, and then... So, you know, when I, when I uh, in 2008, you know, discovered electrical stimulation of muscles, I discovered the Institute for Functional Medicine, had a long list of supplements, mm -hmm. and then I had this really brilliant aha, which is sort of embarrassing, it took me this long to, to have that, was what if I redesigned my paleo diet, which I've been doing since 2003, so I've been doing that for four years, mm -hmm. what if I redesigned that based on all the science? Okay. And I go back to meditating, and to my amazement, you know, my, my zingers are gone. Wow. My fatigue is better. My physical therapist says, Terry, you're stronger. And he has me start lifting weights. Little weights at first, but, you know, gradually more weights. Uh, and then... Did he ask you what you were doing differently? Well... Well, he, he knew I was doing the E-STEM. Okay. He thought, he thought it was all an E-STEM. Later, I tell him, like, wow, well, I was doing a whole lot more than E-STEM, my friend. <laughs> yes. Uh, and, uh, you know, there was a day uh, that I decided to, this was in uh, January, February, early February. Uh, I had a letter that I needed to mail. And I decided that I would walk down the hallway to mail that letter. It's, it's about 100 yards. And so people are seeing me walk in the hallway. I had, had a walking stick with me, so you know, not completely independently, but you know, walking. People are like, oh my God, Dr. Walls, you are walking. Like, what, what, what's, what happened? And mind you, 
you know, four years earlier, people had seen me in the wheelchair, like, oh my God, mm-hmm. Dr. Walsh in a wheelchair, what happened? That, that was such a stunning day. Wow. Uh, it, and then... So, uh, so, did you start to explain to them, like, I've been studying, and I've been, like, doing this diet, and I've been reworking well, you know, everything? The, the, the uh, first time I, I really had this big conversation is with the chair of medicine at the university. Uh, I have a meet with them every two years where I go over, you know, what I've been doing for my academic life. And I've been walking around the VA hospital, you know, for several months, but going to the university office, I was going to have to go up this big hill, it'd be about a third of a mile. And I thought, you know, that's really too long. I'll, I'll, I'll take a scooter. Okay. My scooter died on the way over. Oh, no. So... I ended up having to push my scooter up the hill, parked it uh, by the hospital entrance, uh, and walked over uh, to my chairman's office. So by the time I get there, I am late. The secretary shoes me in and says, like, you know, it's, it's sort of gratitude me for being late, of course. I go in and I apologize to Dr. Rothman for being late. He goes, oh, so you had to wait for the patient mobile. And Don Marie, I said, well, actually, I pushed my scooter up the hill. I left it by the uh, entrance, and I walked over. He goes, "You walked? You pushed your scooter up the hill?" But Terry, what? What has happened? And by the way, you look great. So I show him my uh, eStem device. Mm-hmm. I tell him about that. I tell him about my diet and my supplements, and he says, "Well, this is the best news I could possibly." I've ever heard because I, I was so concerned because you had been looking progressively worse every time I've seen you yes. and he's a rheumatologist so he knows about autoimmunity mm-hmm. and he understands that autoimmunity MS particularly progressive MS does not spontaneously improve so he said your assignment now is to get a case report written up there you and, go and so work with your treating neurologist the physical therapist was, was helping you with your uh, e-stem and write up a case report. Amazing. So we did that. Uh, and then he called me back in and he said, and then he wanted me to do a case series. We did that. And then he wanted me to do a what's called a safety and feasibility study where we would have people implement what I had done. So I had to, it took about a year to write out the protocol as precisely as we could, uh, get the IRB application. Uh, and, I, and I found a charity in, in Canada that gave us a little bit of money, so we had some external funding to do the study. Perfect. Uh, and uh, uh, the chair of medicine, Dr. Rothman, now become the dean of medicine, so he was very helpful in uh, helping me get the resources to do the study. And hang on for a moment, Don Marie. I'm going to get a cup of water here. Yes. My phone is going to tilt sideways. So That's okay. Go right ahead. Get a cup Sign of water. Up. Get a cup of water. Okay, everybody. While we're waiting for Dr. Walls, um, some upcoming questions that we're going to have is um, how her diet studies different from the drug studies would be the next question yes. I would love to ask you because you're in the middle of doing this report right and you're doing everything and you're you're trying to like it's a difficult something to write I couldn't even imagine how you were able to 
say this food reacts this way, but this drug yeah. reacts this way. So, so how you know, was that? Are, are so much easier to do, Don Reed, because mm -hmm. you can you can give person a medication and put it in the same put a placebo in the same colored pill or vial. Uh, in that way, it's placebo controlled. Neither the patient nor the investigator knows. If you do a diet study, the patient knows what they're eating. Yes. We can see to it. So, and then the other thing, what we eat and choose to eat is a very personal reflection of my taste, my values, my ethnic background, my family background. Sure. And if I'm going to have you be in my study, I may have to convince you to stop eating food that has been important to you, to begin eating food that is new to you, with new flavors, new recipes, new traditions. And many people, on top of that, no longer know how to cook. That, you know, it's very true. Um, we have been in a society, and I grew up in the, you know this generation of fast food. So it was easier to get fast food drive-through than to actually stay at home and cook a meal. And Absolutely. then, you know, when I got married, I actually did not know how to cook. You're not alone. I had to, I had to learn how to cook meals and like really go grocery shopping and how do you put this together and that together and, you know, and then children came, and, and as how you know. deal with leftovers? And you know, how do you, you have, deal with leftovers, yes. You have leftovers, you throw them away, you don't want to do that because you paid a lot of money, so how do you how do you use them, incorporate them in your meal plans? Um, there are a lot of skills. Yes. In my clinics uh, that we teach uh, the vets and that we cover in our clinical trials because uh, we want people to be successful. Exactly, and you have had so many success stories written to you, I am sure. I mean, I was one of them. Thousands. Uh, yeah. I was one of them. I was diagnosed in 2012 after 20 years of my life living with secondary progressive. By the time they actually diagnosed me in the spinal tap and saw my brain from I don't know how many doctors for years telling me, you, know, you look and great. You so typical, Don Marie. You look great. We, Let, you, your blood work's amazing. You just take needing a vacation. No, you're, something's you're busy, wrong. You're stressful. You're doing right? too much. You're so ambitious. You're driven. That's why you're exhausted. Yeah, but no one ever wanted to like really sit down and listen. And that's where I loved how you wrote your book because your book was the first thing my husband found for me to fight the oh, battle. Sorry of dealing with multiple sclerosis because I had already had a reaction to one of the interferons and it was not good and I had to go off of it immediately and my body is one that one percentile that you always see if something's going to go wrong yeah. I'm usually that person that it's going to yeah. go wrong yeah. so with your studies with your drug studies with your food studies you have created another beautiful book of food and language and moving forward. Where do you see yourself going next? I mean, you've well, got your new program coming out, so let's talk about yeah, that. Yeah, let's talk about that. Yeah, so many people can buy the book, mm -hmm. absorb it, get the cookbook, and 
do a really nice job implementing uh, the program. But others find it to be overwhelming. There's so much information like, oh my God, where do I start? I, uh, what do I do? Uh, um, I, 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 it, it's a struggle. Mm -hmm. I, and we've been had so many people reaching out to us from all over the globe. So we've created a online program, the Autoimmune Intervention Mastery Course, uh, that has modules, small lessons, small bite-sized video lessons, uh, and then we accompany that with seven weeks of group calls with me, uh, where people can submit their questions, and we go through the questions each week, uh, discussing the concepts uh, and helping people feel comfortable that they can master the the concepts and begin step by step tuning up their diet and their self care program at the pace where they can be successful. Exactly. You know, Don Rui, I stress that what's important is the interventions that you decide to do, mm -hmm. whether it's stress reduction or uh, exercise or working on nutrition, that you pick an intervention you could actually do. Yes, yes. It, it's better to pick something you could really do 100% than to pick a complicated Too intervention. Too many and not complete. Yes, exactly, exactly. So I listened to you and I focused on the food and then I focused on weight training and Ooh, I was beautiful. doing really, really, really well and then I had a spiral downhill and it was very hard getting back up. Um, but then I found out, you know, there is another autoimmune disease I had and that was colitis. It came out of the blue. And that is so common, Don Marie. Between I, I MS, yes. So can it, you explain that between MS yeah. and colitis patients? It's very common. Yeah. So what, what happens is there is a program that lasts five to ten years of autoimmune processes that are going on in our, in our cells uh, and we're developing autoantibodies. We often have migraines, uh, pelvic pain, endometriosis, infertility, mm -hmm. fatigue, brain fog, anxiety, depression, irritability. We may be developing central obesity. We may be developing uh, uh, a little insulin resistance. Exactly. And you probably won't know that you have insulin resistance because your, your doctors don't know to check that. Uh, and perhaps because you're complaining of fatigue and just not feeling right, your doc has said, well, we'll check, do some blood work. And they say, well, you have low-level autoantibodies, but not enough for a diagnosis. That, that shit goes on for, you know, five to ten years. Then you develop enough damage to some of your organ tissues. Yeah. So we know it, what the problem is. Colitis, rheumatoid arthritis, Crohn's disease, yep. sclerosis, psoriasis. Exactly. Yeah, so you, you start. And uh, that's a disease-modifying drug for one of those diseases that you, that you have. But your medical team did know to teach you about the microbiome, about nutrition, about stress, about exercise, about self-care. So you didn't do any of that stuff. I didn't. But you kept taking that disease-modifying drug because mm -hmm. you wanted to do the best you could for yourself and your family. But you're still having fatigue. And you're still thinking you're going fun. crazy because you're explaining the pain and you're talking to your doctors and they, you know what they say? And this is, this is the say, one thing like. that I love, Dr. Walls, and it's kind of like a, MS doesn't make you ugly. 
I said to my doctor. And she and he said, What? This is before I got my neurologist who is a female. I'm not saying anything wrong about men. I'm just saying she's a female. And she was the only one that actually listened to me. And because the doctors just kept saying, you look great. You're just stressed out. You know what? You have bloating. It's okay. Women go through bloating issues. No, there's something wrong. You don't end up in the hospital with 192 over 88 blood pressure and your abdominal wall looking like you're going to give birth. Oh, dear. So, so yes. And then what can happen, Don Ruiz, so people develop two autoimmune diseases. Mm-hmm. Now the physicians are saying, well, we need to have two kinds of DMTs, one for your first autoimmune disease, a second one for your second autoimmune disease. And if they still aren't teaching you how to address the root causes of what's going on, the microbiome, the diet, uh, stress, a third autoimmune condition will develop. Exactly. And then another and another and another. And another. And that Uh, is a horrible cycle of our our human life of where we began to where we are today because the diseases have just continued to get worse in the autoimmune world. Correct. The diseases will continue uh, to march along. Um, so our, our autoimmune intervention mastery course teaches people how to get to the root causes. Uh, we teach about how to create more health in yes. your life. And what I discovered for my, for my own self and for my patients is by focusing on creating health. Uh, and I let the, the treating physician treat the diseases. Say, yep, keep working with your treating physician for your disease states. We're going to focus on creating health one habit at a time one action at a time. And you'll need to have your primary care team monitor your blood pressure and your blood sugar and your medications because if your cells begin working more correctly and the molecules start getting made more correctly, Mm -hmm. molecule by molecule, the microglia in your brain sort of calm down. They do. And do you know I started taking Theron um, for my sugar, because I'm like, why am I gaining weight? I am not lo- I'm not eating more than I have been. Yeah. And you know, you know, 55 years old, I've already been through everything. I had the hysterectomy. I went through all of that. But why am I gaining such like water weight? That is part of yes, the autoimmune yes. of the colitis and my MS kicking in, and Absolutely. also sugar issue. But sugar not that is, I was so not that I was cute. drinking sugar or eating lots of sugar because I don't actually crave sugar. I crave salt, which is odd. So would you be you're in your new program? You're going to yeah. be able to teach everybody about, about all of this with sugar in your food. You have to take it out. You 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 know. You'll, you'll do you'll do much better if you take it out. Mm-hmm. You'll do much better. And you can't do milk as much as you love it. You can do almond milk. You could do coconut milk is what I do. Um, so it's really retraining our brain and our thought process is what you're teaching us. And we're focusing on what is under your control. Exactly. Uh, and to let it go of the stuff that is not under your control. Uh, and, of course, I, I have to work on that 
too because you know I had my own little issue of what was that under my control that I had to <laughs> like okay well I'm gonna be in a cast for a while so I have to change my workout routine and my mm-hmm. self-care routine and just sort of embrace the, the new opportunities that have been given to me exactly exactly and I love that you have never given up you keep finding new ways to make your life better but you're not just making your life better you're sharing it with the world and you're sharing it with all of us in the world dealing with autoimmune disease and that is a gift that is just beyond the stars and I cannot thank you enough for the time and the effort that you put into your daily life and your research and your writings and your videos that you do with your food and you explain everything because a lot of people will may not pick up the book but they're going to look at your instagram and they're going to see you and everything that you've done and that gives us hope it's hope uh, it gives people hope and possibilities yes. um uh, uh the instagram i think is very helpful uh, you get uh, a glimpse of my daily life uh, yes. as I live it. Uh, sometimes chaotic, sometimes messy. Uh, uh, but uh, this is just who I am, what I eat, what I do. Uh, uh, my wife is uh, does most of the Instagrams. Uh, she's really uh, very, very good. That's amazing. And I love that you both are your team in this. You are definitely a, your team. You're 100%. Yes ready to give the knowledge to the world that we need of this disease, multiple sclerosis. And I also love the fact that you got the grant from Multiple Sclerosis Society to write. To to do that study, it was um, four years, uh, uh, a little over a million dollars to run the study. Amazing. we compared the low-fat swank diet uh, to the Walls diet. Mm-hmm. Uh, we had 12 weeks of observation where we asked people to you know, eat their usual diet. Yes. Uh, and then we, so we did a, uh, all the assessments when we first met them and said, you know, keep eating your usual food. They came back in 12 weeks. We repeat all the assessments. Yeah. Then we randomized them to either get the swank instruction or the Walls instruction. They come back in 12 weeks, we repeat all the assessments, and they come back again in another 12 weeks. May so I ask what the 12-week mark means? Oh, so there were what? four There were four uh, assessments. Okay. Two assessments done uh, with their usual diet, so we could show that the fatigue was stable, quality of life was stable, uh, and walking was stable during that time. Okay. Then we randomize them, teach them what to eat, they give up yummy foods, and eat, learn some new foods. Uh, it's, a, it's, it's a big commitment on their part. They come back in 12 weeks, we repeat all the assessments, mm-hmm. uh, measures of fatigue, quality of life, and how far they can walk at six minutes. Uh, then uh, we have, have a little less support, uh, and then for the next 12 weeks, uh, we, we bring them back and repeat all the assessments again. Wow. And we're able to show that the first observation is that fatigue, quality of life, and walking endurance uh, did not change during the observation period. Um, and then uh, the we the primary outcome was with fatigue severity as measured by fatigue severity scale. 
improved greater for the Wallace group than the Swank group. And wow. statistically, it, it improved for both groups. Uh, and statistically, there was no difference. However, on the, on the other measures, quality of life uh, and a more sensitive fatigue measure called the modified fatigue impact scale. At, at baseline, the Wallace group had a higher quality of life for the mental health, physical health, the swank. Uh, and at 24 weeks, uh, the Wallace group had a greater fatigue reduction than swank for modified fatigue impact scale. The uh, quality of life continued to improve uh, greatly. And then the walking endurance mm -hmm. uh, improved for the Wallace group greater than the swank group. Wow. How yeah, and, incredible. And how did that make you feel looking at those, literally looking at the, on paper, right here, here's the proof. Well, how, how did you feel? Well, you know, it was quite exhilarating. You know, doing research is so much fun, it's exciting, getting it to print, uh, very exciting, getting to present it at uh, national meetings, uh, very exciting. Uh, you know, and it's, it, in some ways, it, it's the best news for the MS. Uh, uh, people with MS, mm -hmm. because if, if you're committed to a low-fat diet, uh, you'll get some benefit uh, following the swank diet. You will get more benefit following the Wallace diet, but if the low-fat diet is what speaks to you, mm -hmm. by all means, go ahead and follow that, because you still got benefit, you still had improvements in quality of life, you still had improvements with reduced uh, fatigue, uh, and exactly. so, yeah. What what I want to tell people is, diet matters. To my goodness, diet matters so much. It truly Take does. The diet that speaks to your heart, that you and your family can implement, and begin cooking at home. Thank you for saying that. Absolutely. I mean, I do go out to dinner. We, I, I do like going out. But um, it's very difficult for me to go out to dinner yeah. because I don't know where they're getting their food from. I don't know what kind yes. of product they're putting in. And it usually flares up my colitis. And it's, it's a whole other animal correct. to deal with, correct. with in my MS. And then my MS kicks in and it's another story. So it's a, do, it's a, do you really want to deal with this? Or do you want to cook at home and have a better day and a, ne a better next day tomorrow? Well, you know what, I've learned to uh, look very carefully about where it is that uh, we go uh, go out to eat. So uh, what, what places can I have confidence uh, will be safe? Yes, exactly. We visit the same restaurants that I know that I do not have issues with also. Oh, good, good. That is good. very good. But let's talk about um, where do you... I mean, everyone says they don't understand where the disease comes from. Some people say it's genetic. Some people say it's not genetic. Oh, sure. I grew up on the East Coast. My bloodline is all from the East, from the East and the North. So I was born with severe asthma, already born ill. And then, you know, in my 20s, I started having the experiences of multiple sclerosis, but didn't know what was wrong. I thought, okay, maybe everyone has this problem, or maybe I'm like imagining things, but it was severe and it kept getting worse over 20 years of my life. What 
is the actual base study today on what we're doing for a cure on is it genetic and if it isn't why do so many women have it like so the, the twin studies which look at the frequency of ms if you have the same zygote so identical twins yes or if there are different eggs fraternal twins correct uh, and if it's a fraternal twin uh, it's about two uh, percent but even a identical twin the same zygote the same egg that got split only about 30 percent will also have MS that means 70 percent of your risk for that child that had this exact same genes that grew up in the same home eating the same food, having the same family, doing the same kind of family stuff that we do, the swabbles, mm -hmm. the fun, the good stuff, the same kind of exposure, the same environmental exposures. Yes. And that they were developing the disease probably in their teens while they were growing up together. Mm -hmm. Only 30% of the time did both get MS. Wow. The genetics account for a small portion of why we have MS. Amazing. The other factors, yeah, you know, I talk about that in our course. I talk about it at length in our book. Uh, it's going to be a combination of the environmental exposures and the biologic response to all of your environmental exposures. So those are the random events that happened to me. May I that ask those, where you grew up, where you were born, where, were you on where, the where north? Where, 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 so it has to do with where you were born, your toxins, the food you've eaten, how uh, the kind of birth, vaginal birth, C-section. Uh, it has to do with your uh, diet choices. It has to do with your stress, childhood distress, adult stress, your physical activity as a child, as an adult, your hormone balance, your vitamin D levels. All of those factors uh, play play in this. And then you know, I talk about this. So things that happened in the past. In the past, nothing I can do about that. Mm -hmm. So what? What are, what are the things that I can control? Right now, I can control what I eat. Yep. I control what I do during the day. I control my point of view. I can control uh, my relationships, who I hang out with. I can control um, what I wear, what I don't wear. I can ask my physicians what's my vitamin D and get my vitamin D level corrected. Exactly. So that's the stuff that I teach, is to understand the whole context of why we have the disease, what you can talk to your doc about, what you could do to begin step by step making better choices. Exactly. Exactly. And I also think that we need to really push the button with our doctors upon not just the typical 10 blood work check marks. Because you really need to go into checking the white blood cells. You need to go into checking everything from hormones to vitamin D to stress, serotonin, Correct. everything. And if you're a specialist, whether it's a neurologist, a rheumatologist, dermatologist, can't really focus in on this idea of, of uh, trying to improve your health, trying to understand your your nutrition, your self-care routine. 
yes. your primary care doc, your primary care team uh, should should be able to help you out. If they can't get excited when you come in and say, you know what, I'd like to quit eating so much sugar and improve my diet. If your primary care team isn't thrilled, say, yep, we're down for that. Fire them and get a new one. Thank you for saying that. Thank you for saying that yeah. because I have gone through so many doctors and if you have not been able to find what is wrong with me after two years, I'm done. I'm not paying you $1,500 every quarter to do this or that or whatever the bills are or maybe. And they're really expensive by the way. And not all of us have insurance that are able to afford to go to these doctors to get a diagnosis. But the one thing that I know that we can control, like you said, you can control all your stuff, is you can control everything that is written down, that you have written down and you know what is wrong and what is happening with you. And walk into that doctor's office and say, I want you to listen, and these are all the things that have been happening since the last time I saw you. What are we going to do about it? And one of the things that I, that I encourage uh, uh, people to focus more on, how could I improve my self-care and my health be? Exactly. Exactly. It's all up to us. It, we're the ones uh, putting the, it in our mouth if we the, choose uh, to eat poorly, right? We're, we're, we're the ones who are, could choose to pray or meditate or be mindful. Exactly. We are the ones that we're get the, up in the morning or decide to stay in the bed. We are the ones that are going to research or not and complain. So you're right. Correct. It is. We need to be the best advocate for our health and body and soul and moving forward living with this disease that has no cure. Don Marie, none of these autoimmune diseases have a cure. And right. They all do have a cure uh, and that is understanding the role of diet, understanding the role of stress, understanding the role of exercise uh, and because well, I'm not cured of my MS. As long as I'm doing the Walls Protocol, I don't have any trigeminal neuralgia. Mm -hmm. I can bike for hours as long as I don't have a broken wrist. I can hike with my family. I can go swimming. Uh, mm -hmm. uh, and I can have a very rich and full life. Yes. But if I if I came to your to your home and you accidentally served me gluten, dairy, or eggs, you're going to have a problem. With six to 24 hours, my trigeminal neuralgia will turn on. Yes. And if I, and I'll have an immense amount of suffering. Yes. Interestingly enough, uh, Don Marius, I am so grateful for my trigeminal neuralgia because, you know, I have this wonderful biosensor that tells me my microglia in my brain are calm and very neuroprotective, sending good healing signals to my all my neurons, my brain cells, or they are pissed off and sending toxic chemicals to my uh, neurons and mm -hmm. causing my trigeminal neurologist to flare. So you know, my neurologist uh, and I talk about this, uh, so I, I practically get my MRIs, I say, you know what, it's gonna be fine, because my, 
my microglia are You've all very controlling happy. it, yes. And yeah. so I've trained my neurologist now to talk to uh, her patients about the biosensors and to embrace these these symptoms that we have from our autoimmune disease, whether it's a skin rash or a visual disturbance from my optic neuritis or in my case, neuralgia. neuralgia, mm-hmm. that, you know, if I have funny sensation in my face, I'm like, okay, yeah. yep. what was the trigger? What was the trigger? Like I've done interviews where my whole side of my face has dropped. This whole side, like yeah. my eye drops, my cheek drops, and my lip goes down. And it's like, well, you just got to keep you keep going. But then it's like I got to figure out what I did for three days prior. Was what was going on? Was I pushing my body too much? Did I eat out and it something got... I say contaminated, not contaminated, but it wasn't processed properly, or right, I was right. in a rush, contaminated. or I was stressed. Stress triggers. Stress can do it? Absolutely. 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 And I have a problem, and I know this is a problem with me, and I like to do a lot of things, and I have to learn that we're going to focus on this this week, or today, instead of trying to do 20 different things at once yeah. because that creates a lot of internal stress on the body and the brain and the fatigue of like running and going and I have also learned naps how about you I take a nap every day I'm sorry, I didn't hear you. It went blank. So you're asking me about uh, naps? Yes. Well, you know, in general, I don't like napping because it, if, when I nap, I have a hard time sleeping well at night. Okay. But on occasion, I will take a nap. So today, uh, about 10 o'clock, is like, you know, I'm feeling really, really tired. So I am going to lay down, take a 20-minute nap. Uh, and so hopefully it will not interfere with my sleep tonight. I'll let you know the next time. Okay, that would be great. I'd really love to know because I find that sometimes when I sleep and I take a nap, I'm feeling so much stronger and then I can get dinner prepared and I can get everything moving on. Yeah. And then there's days when I don't and I'm exhausted and I'm fatigued and then I like push myself too far and then I feel it the next day. So it's well. You, I, I do want people to pay attention to um, what is their exercise tolerance. If we Tori today, the swipe up, yes. and I'll use it on my phone, not my iPad, to make sure everybody can go on out there and purchase that movie. Yeah, because it's, it's, it's this beautiful, very intimate look at uh, my life, uh, 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 and so I tell my story. And occasionally I get sort of teary because it's very emotional. She takes me. With us uh, and the various uh, experiences. So when I watched the film, it was very emotional for me. You know, uh, I ended up crying. Uh, and then I told, uh, so I, I gave her some feedback from the film. So, you know, it's so intense for me to watch this because I'm reliving some 
deeply uh, painful, challenging times mm -hmm. that uh, I wouldn't want to relive too many times. So I, I, I can watch the film once, see the feedback, but I, I can't I can't watch it again uh, because it is. I, I could, but it would be it, it'd be a very big deal to watch it again. Yes, it, it was just so so beautifully done. How did the uh, How did the children react when they watched the movie? I know it's, it's interesting. So they've chosen not to watch it uh, because mm -hmm. they saw me watching it and crying, and and they're so we we can think about uh, it, it was difficult for me to experience all of this. Yes. Think about what this is for children see their parent become profoundly disabled, experience hor horrific pain, have a progressive illness when you're five and eight. Mm -hmm. So that is an adverse childhood event that lasted for four years. I, I, I can't, well, now that I think through uh, that way, when my kids said, I, I, I couldn't, it would be much too painful. Yes. I, agree. I understand that now. And, uh, you know, it, 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 I, I couldn't bear really think, uh, allowing myself to think about the fact that I was the source of an adverse childhood experience for them of that magnitude. Yeah, I, I can begin to think about that now, that, that we're on the other side of it. Yeah, and I, I could hear my kids talk about the level of resilience that they have, having gotten through the other side, to see that they watched all the choices that Jack and I made, that we stayed with us. Uh, and so I, I think they're you know, much wiser young adults than, than many young adults of their age. But, you know, for it's not easy for a 10-year-old and a 13-year-old to have uh, a mom with a progressive illness that you think may end up uh, with, you know, the level of disability that was experienced. Exactly. And it's very difficult to, for a child to understand that. So I can understand right. why they so, don't want so to watch the movie, yes. Crazy things in their head. Yes, exactly. That, that are even more distressing than the truth. I'm very glad that you just said that. It is more distressing than the truth because we do put certain things into our head as a young child and also as an adult. We, and, and we, and we forget to keep talking to our kids about what's happening. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, you know, with me not knowing, I had the disease and every doctor telling me I just needed Prozac and Xanax and the vacation or time off or a nanny. Uh -huh. You know, and never being listened to, I literally thought, I'm going crazy. And I I thought, this is, or I'm being haunted. I, I went to a priest. I thought, God, I'm being haunted by spirits. And that's why my fir that's why I wrote my first book called Living with Phantoms. Because oh, yeah. I always thought there was like something behind me hurting me and choking me or making my face drop or making me trip 
And that was the only way I could describe it because nobody would take the time to actually listen to everything from the first time I lost my eyesight to, okay, now I'm completely paralyzed and I'm in the hospital and now everyone's starting to think there's something wrong with Don Marie. Well, yeah, I can't walk, speak, talk, or anything. I, I, I'm peeing in the bed. I can't even go to the bath. Um, my bowels, everything let go. And finally, finally, after three neurologists of being fired in the fourth, she was the one that diagnosed me. And ever since then, in finding your book, I have brought myself back to where I am today. And it was a very long recovery and a very long road of understanding. And it may be a little bumpy, even still. It's still bumpy. Keep doing all that you can. It's still bumpy. But you know what? If I get to put my feet down on the ground each day, or any of you living with multiple sclerosis in the world, even if you can't put your feet down today, if you can do one small thing that changes your life, living with an autoimmune disease like multiple sclerosis, you're doing the best thing for yourself and to keep going. And that is what Dr. Walls is yeah. teaching in yeah. this incredible my, program. And My suggestion for all of you is to focus on uh, what you can do to create health. Mm -hmm. Focus on what is under your control. Exactly. Exactly. Dr. Walls, I can't thank you enough for everything that you do every single day, for your Instagram stories, for your research, for the new program that you just launched, for doing the documentary, for never giving up, because you are what we strive to be every day, living with multiple sclerosis. And you are a true warrior at heart, and I know you wear that with pride because you should, I, I, you know, warrior or whatever you want to call it. You oh, are yeah. absolute, absolutely amazing, and I will forever be grateful for that book, Walls Protocol, because that's what started my journey back from being completely paralyzed with secondary progressive MS, and here I am today. And it was all because of you. Thank you, Marie. Thank you, Dr. Walls. So next, we will be meeting again, everybody, in, in the month of October with the producer and director of Dr. Walls's documentary. And we'll be talking about how that was put together. And it's called Defying All Odds. And after this um, program is done, I will put it up on my story and it's a simple swipe up, purchase the movie, watch her story and become a part of her life and follow her Instagram because it is not only the amazing, the food, everything that you do, you brought us into your life and that is the greatest gift of all. Thank you. Thank you. All right, everybody. Have a great day. Dr. Walls, thank you once again. And I'll see you in October. And we will release the date of when we will all be getting together with Caroline and Dr. Walls and myself 
to talk about defying all odds. Have a great afternoon. Which one's your family? You take care. Bye-bye. Okay.